0: Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us over this hour on kind of a crummy Friday, but nevertheless, we're going to make some news. We have a big interview coming up, as you heard in the news. We are talking about school funding, and the Education Minister, Lisa Thompson, will be with me very shortly. But for a succinct summation of what is currently happening in Ontario politics, I would like to turn now to Canada's unofficial poet laureate. Here, in words written by Pert and sung by Lee, is the essence of the issue.
1: There is unrest in the forest. There is trouble with the trees.
0: Thank you, Getty. Ontario has canceled a tree planting program. The 50 million tree program has now been eliminated, and that has caused all kinds of uproar, There is trouble in the forest, there is trouble with the trees. But the other news we have today, of course, is in the education file, and that is that there is a new release that has come out from the education ministry, and it's terribly technical and detailed. But let me give you the essence of it. Basically, Ontario, the government, is marginally increasing funding to school boards, but also at the same time is dealing with larger class sizes especially at the secondary level. There has been much outcry in this province about what that will mean for teachers and all kinds of talk about teachers getting redundancy notices and told that well they won't be working there anymore. To try and get a sense of the truth let's turn to the person in charge. I am pleased to welcome to this radio program, Ontario's Minister of Education, Lisa Thompson.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: What you announced today is essentially the Grants for Student Needs for uh, 2019-2020. What is different this year going forward in the education uh, ministry and in funding, uh, what you announced today?
2: Our government is investing in teachers with a landmark $1.6 billion to ensure not one teacher will lose their job because of our proposed changes.
0: Minister, I want to address that number that you were talking about, the $1.6 billion. It is over four years. It is to help bridge the next four years as secondary schools adapt to this new class size number. What happens to teachers after four years, Minister.
2: Well, again, well, uh, thank you for recognizing that. And again, it's historic. It's a landmark investment in our teachers. And we have chunked this down. Our focus right now is making sure that we get education back on track in Ontario. And so we're looking right now at ensuring that during the next four years, not one teacher will lose their job as a result of our proposed changes. And then we'll con- In tandem, we'll continue to work with our education partners, our school boards, and our labour partners to make sure that they know that we are 100% committed to making sure we are supporting our teachers that ultimately result in student achievement throughout Ontario.
0: Minister, if I might... I just tell you a personal story and I think it's one that perhaps is resonating around the province and happening in a lot of places. I I spent the weekend with my niece who goes to a high school in uh, a rural area just outside of Ottawa and she's quite upset that her band teacher has informed them that he's been declared surplus, he won't be coming back and for her, you know, this is the teacher that makes going to school fun and I think we all have that experience of that teacher. And Because of the way you've changed class sizes, smaller schools are not going to be able to have teachers like this for band and that sort of thing. And I wonder what you would say to my niece and other students like her across the province.
2: Thank you for that. First of all, I want to ensure your niece and all other students that are concerned about what they're hearing is that, that is not carved in stone on an annual basis across Ontario school boards take a look at the roster and they take a look at and they they're required to give notification if there's any redundancies but now that they have this funding envelope for the next operating school year they're going to take a look at how many people are coming back from maternity leave how many people are retiring and moving around based on special assignments and projects. And I can tell you that school boards from one end of this province to another on a regular basis and regular annual basis will say, typically, once all the dust settles, not one teacher loses their job.
0: I understand that, Minister, but my point being is that schools like my nieces simply are not going to be able to have specialty teachers and specialty programs uh, going forward with your changes that just simply is not going to be the case in Ontario.
2: Well, actually, I, I respectfully disagree with that because, again, while we have been asked time and time again through our consultations and our stakeholder meetings to make sure that children throughout Ontario are learning the fundamentals and getting back to the basics, we very much appreciate the fact that Uh, A proper learning environment is a balance of STEM and the arts. And so it's premature at this time to create anxiety and fear because, again, our government is 100% committed to making sure that our number one priority, not only for our government, but for our school boards and our teachers, is student achievement. And we need that balance.
0: Minister, uh, a last question because you mentioned anxiety and fear and I think there is a great amount of that amongst parents and students around the province as we enter negotiations, contracts, as you know, end at the end of August. How do we know that the province is going to be bargaining in good faith, considering the things that the Premier has said about teachers and union bosses?
2: I can tell you with absolute confidence that... We have already put our best foot forward. For instance, I have already invited our labor partners to start. Let's get this ball rolling so that the fear and anxiety can't be perpetuated. I've invited our labor partners as early as next Monday to come to the table so we can start working to make sure that our students are going back in the fall confident that they're going to be Absolutely, in the best learning environment possible. And again, I am coming forward in good faith because we need to work with our labor partners and our education partners. And I would suggest to you that no matter what the rhetoric you hear, the thread that binds us all together is definitely that number one priority, and that is student success.
0: Quickly, Minister, are you confident that we can avoid labor action come the fall?
2: Well... I have to tell you that if we take a look back at past behavior, it didn't matter, matter whether it was a Bob Ray government, a Mike Harris government, a Dalton McGuinty or Kathleen Wynne government. We have seen classroom disruptions. But
0: This sounds like you are resigned to that, Minister.
2: I, I'm not. But again, we're preparing to make sure that we're ready to go. And as I shared with you, we have extended the invitation to start working with our labor partners as early as this coming Monday.
0: Minister of Education for Ontario, Lisa Thompson, thank you so very much for joining us.
2: I appreciate your time today. Have a good day.
0: Always nice to have the ministers of the Ford government on this radio program. I mean that sincerely. I did not get a chance, though, to ask Getty to chime in.
1: There is unrest in the forest, there is trouble with the trees.
0: Thank you, Getty. Now, when we come back, we are going to take you to Quebec, where that damn situation continues to be very, very serious. We will take you to Ottawa, where the state of emergency is in effect. The Army has responded, and we will go also to Bracebridge, where a state of emergency continues to be in effect there. Then later on in the program, we're going to ask this question. Why is it always so loud in these restaurants? Why Boy, can It's I loud hear? in here, huh? It is loud in here. Why is it so loud in here? We're going to ask that. That's in the second half of our radio program. Thank you so much for being with us. Trees Swaying in the breeze Trees Swaying in the breeze Buds in spring, green in summer, golden red in autumn, bare
3: in winter trees swaying in the
0: breeze. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us in ahead later in the program we're gonna talk about why restaurants are always so loud. It's not just because I'm of a certain vintage. Boy, it's I'm, loud in here, huh? It is. Why? Every time I go out, and I know you have this experience, too. It's so loud, but you know what? There's actually a reason behind it, and we're going to talk about that. Then later in the program, Fearless Fred from The Q is here, and he's got his review of Avengers Endgame, which I know so many people are excited about. Shut uh, um, and they are looking forward to, and I am going to tell you why I think it's going to suck. I, I don't care. I just, I have not ever seen a superhero movie that I like, and I will give a defense of why I think superhero movies have ruined cinema. That is coming up. But I want to begin with the situation in, uh, in Quebec, and in Ottawa, and also in cottage country because it continues to unfold. Members of the Canadian Armed Forces have arrived in Ottawa this morning, and meanwhile in Quebec, the effort to clear people out of the area below the Belle Falls Dam in Quebec's Western Laurentians continues. Officials there are on high alert. This is the worst flooding ever along the Rouge River. Now, of course, it's not our Rouge River, but in Quebec, the Rouge River, and that has led to those mandatory evacuations. Water has been rushing over the 104-year-old dam at an alarming rate. And Global National's Mike Armstrong is here with more on the history of this dam and what is at risk. Everything downstream from that dam. That dam was built, by the way, in uh, 1915. It's been out of service for quite a while, uh, several years. Um, it was a hydroelectric dam. They've had what they're calling historic rains here, three times basically what they had last year, and Hydro-Quebec says the dam has reached capacity. Now, these evacuations are just a precaution, but it shows you they're just not taking any chances. Uh, Next, we want to take you to Ottawa. Doug Ford was there just uh, a few hours ago. I believe he still is in the area, but he was speaking to the media just a little while ago. Here is what he was talking about in terms of the provincial assistance that is being offered.
4: We'll make sure that we're on high alert. And as as I've told the the mayor last night, that anything he needs, we're going to be there for him, similar to the, the tornado that took place and uh, we have a great team, a great team uh, on the ground here. They're, they're going home by home. They had to do the same thing in Muskoka uh, yesterday, and uh, just for safety reasons, uh, the ones that are in jeopardy have to disconnect the hydro, um, but uh, they're, they're the experts. We'll be uh, talking to the Hydro One and uh, utilizing their expertise.
0: 400 troops have also been deployed in key areas. The military arriving in the rural northwest Ottawa community of Constance Bay just before 9 o'clock this morning. Residents and volunteers there have been filling up sandbags for days, and the flooding there could exceed 2017's levels by 40 to 50 centimeters in some areas. David Aiken is, of course, in Ottawa. David, were you at the uh, Premier's press conference this morning?
3: Yeah, actually, Alan, I'm sitting in Constance Bay right now. I've been here all morning as well and uh, and talking to some homeowners, and I watched the premier uh, arrive here. He met with some of the volunteers and first responders, got briefed up. Uh, and you know uh, Premier Ford's way with uh, the people, Alan. He was down in the water himself, uh, got some hugs from some homeowners who were happy to see him, passing out his cell phone number to homeowners who had concerns. And uh, the clip he just heard was my question to him because one of the things Ottawa wants, or the city of Ottawa wants, is they don't want Ontario Hydro shutting down whole neighborhoods uh, that are in case they're flooded. The neighborhood I'm in right now, in Constance Bay, has a lot of homes that are underwater. But there are some homes, oh boy, they've got six, seven inches of space, they're still fighting, and they've got electric pumps running. So they need that electricity from Hydro. They want Hydro to come through the homes one by one and shut down ones that are clearly flooded out. We talked to some folks from the natural gas companies there. They have uh, teams here in the neighborhood. Same thing. They're going house by house, and if they have to, they're turning off the natural gas where there's no occupant and the home is is underwater. Others where there are lots of occupants, people are resolute here, ready to fight off this uh, Ottawa flood. But I'll tell you, Alan, it's bleak. The the rain started this morning just lightly at about 7 o'clock, And then about half an hour ago, the the taps just turned on, we'll probably get five millimeters just this hour of rain. And Environment Canada has an alert on right now. We could get up to 35 millimeters of rain between now and tomorrow afternoon. This is a Texas low system that is just hanging over the Ottawa Valley, western Montreal, it's not just Constance Bay, it's communities all along this stretch of the Ottawa River. Uh, the latest today, the, the community of Clarence Rockland, which is about 30 kilometers east of Ottawa, they declared a state of emergency today. And then 30 kilometers past that, you've got that dam that Mike Armstrong was reporting from. People are worried about that situation. Quebec Hydro hoping to God that it holds and doesn't add to an already tough situation.
0: David, I hope you can stay on the line with us here, because I want to bring in Shalima Maharaj, who is live uh, for us in the Bracebridge area, and that's another area that is being heavily hit. And, and I, David, the reason I want you to hold on is I want to play for you something that the Premier said about climate change, and I want to get your perspective on that. But first, Shalima, tell me what's going
5: on where you are. It is absolutely soaking out here. The rain has been nonstop, and we've been standing up by calvin grove park so that's in the downtown part of Bracebridge, and it's pretty evident that the water has risen town officials here say they know it's going to continue to rise they just don't know by how much they can't give people some sort of definitive answer at this point they're saying that in terms of the actual time period it's going to take before they can see the extent of the damages it's going to take some time and when asked about what some time means they're saying at least five days or so so they are uh, anticipating they're going to have some talks with the province
0: coming up. Uh, Shalima I know you've been on the ground there for a while and I have heard the mayor talk about a, a flood and I believe it was 2017 and then in the wake of that they invested all of this money into mitigation and that was supposed to be a 100 once in a 100 year event and now here we are again. Briefly address that before I play this next clip from uh, Doug Ford.
5: Yeah it was actually it was in 2013 and they were told one in a hundred years. You're not going to see anything like this. Uh, It was a situation that caused a lot of damage, especially to this viewing deck that overlooks the river. Now, unfortunately, that's entirely, almost entirely submerged now. There's only about a foot of the gate that's peeking out. An entire pathway has been devoured and the falls are overflowing. So they are now concerned there's going to be even more in terms of cost for damage Uh, but also there's also a parking lot across the way and there's been significant erosion there so they're waiting to see what kind of damage uh, is going to uh, result and that of course was repaired after those 2013 floods.
0: All right, let's, let's go up a level here, because I want to look at this from a broader perspective of what is happening in our province in, in these different areas. And, and there are many people talking about, well, this, may, this looks a whole lot like climate change. And the Premier was asked about that, and it's a little tough here to get the back and forth. There's some people talking, he's referring to other people, but I want to play it for you. Here's what the Premier said this morning about climate change.
4: I'm a strong believer in, in, in that, and, and obviously you can, you can see it, and I think all of us, are, you're the same, how you doing my friend? Uh, you're the same vintage as I am, I'm just simple as when we went to school. Snow used to be that high, where's the snow now? So something's going on, and uh, we have to be conscious of it.
0: I, I will just a quick aside before I get to you, David. Uh, you know that the premier listens to this radio program, and uh, earlier this week, being of a certain vintage is just some stupid thing that I say all the time. And to hear the premier say it, I'm I'm not saying that he. I put it in his head, but just maybe. But anyway, David, to to the well, point. Actually, Alan. Yes,
3: he was. He was actually pointing at me. Ah, in the same vintage. I'm 54. I guess I'm the same age as the as the premier. So this was a conversation we were having. He pointed at me and said, you know, you and I are we're pretty much the same generation. And sure, yes, I remember growing up as a kid in the 70s when the snow was up to. And and uh, if you watch the television news tonight, you'll see the mayor. He holds his hand about waist high. You know, we had used to have a lot of big snowfalls in southern Ontario. And now, particularly in, in your neck of the woods, you know, you get snow up to your, you know, halfway up your calf now. But the point there was I found that interesting was the premier was saying, of course this is the result of climate change. He actually said these floods are supposed to be one in 100 years. This is the second one in three years. Um, now, then we get reporters asking, well, what about your climate change plan? And this is where the political argument will be at some point down the road. The Premier saying, my, my environment minister, Rod Phillips, he's got a great climate change plan. Obviously you'll hear people argue about that. But the key point there, I think, is that, You know, there's the Premier Ford saying, of course, this is a result of climate change. He was asked to react to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's comment that these things are going to become more and more frequent because of climate change. And on that point, we have a rare point of agreement between the Prime Minister and Premier. They agree on that. Now, what to do about it? Well, that's where the political haggling is going to come. And, Alan, just one final thing, too. You may have seen Premier Higgs in New Brunswick and Legault uh, in Quebec talk about compensation for homeowners, incentives to move them off these flood zones. I asked the Premier about that today, Premier Ford. Really nothing to announce, but it does sound like it's something I think that he and his cabinet are going to talk about.
0: David Akin, who is reporting live for us from Constance Bay, have you seen the, the armed forces are there?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there's uh, some great uh, soldiers from CFP Petawawa in their Lab Threes. They're uh, they're helping bag sands, and then further down the river, uh, I think there's some Naval Reserve units. So I think uh, I can't remember if you said when we were just talking a minute ago, but I know others have about 400 or so Canadian Forces members right. uh, are here, and the Premier saying more volunteers, please, and sure enough, volunteers are showing up from Ottawa. You know, city of a million people trying to help help out Constance Bay and others some of the smaller communities sort of in the region.
0: David Aiken in Ottawa, Shalima Maharaj in Bracebridge, thank you both for being with me. Thanks, Alan. When we come back on the radio program, can you hear me? Can I, is what I am saying Boy, clear? Boy, it's loud in here, huh? It seems that every time I go out lately to any kind of a restaurant, it's louder and louder, and maybe we're back to being of a certain vintage. Maybe you're just saying, maybe you're just saying, Alan, you're going deaf. Get yourself one of those hearing aids. They're quite sleek nowadays. But when we come back, actual evidence that interior design and structural design is actually behind this, that I am not just necessarily going deaf, there's something more to it. I got to get one of those big horns. Remember those old timey horns that you get and stick in your ear? This is the Alan Carter Radio Program. Thank you so much for listening. Stay with us. We're back in a moment. Is that your experience every time you go to a restaurant? I tell you, that is mine. It is ridiculous. I, I don't know if you're like me. Uh, there are even some restaurants that I will avoid, and I'm going to name it. I'm going to name it right up. I love a good taco. I You mean I dig on tacos. Love them. La Carnita makes a wicked taco. I'm telling you, their fish taco is awesome. But I won't go. Because you can't talk to anybody. Because otherwise, you got to get like a megahorn, and it seems ridiculous. And that's not the only restaurant. And I know I'm not alone in this. I know that there are people out there who's thinking like I would go out, but you know Boy, it's loud in here, huh? Exactly. It is too loud, and especially if you're in a part of your life where you're swiping right, if you know what I mean. You need to be able to talk. You need to be able to have a conversation. Gordon Mackay is partner at Mackay Wong, who does restaurant design in Toronto. Gordon, am I right, or is are restaurants louder than they ever have been before?
1: Uh, I think you're bang on, Alan. The reality is um, that there's a number of things that are in play right now which are driving restaurants towards this sort of, in the business they call it live, lively spaces as opposed to loud. But, um, no, you're absolutely right. And I've, I've just crested over 50. I'm with you. Um, I'm looking for places that I can connect with people, enjoy a meal, but I got to be heard. And, uh, yeah, these, these, a lot of these spaces are becoming pretty antisocial actually.
0: I like that, uh, that you're of a certain vintage. We <laughs> are all of a certain vintage. Amen. <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen. But so what is being done in terms of design i've read articles that say that there is sort of been this push to open spacing and just different kind of restaurant design and that nobody takes in acoustics into mind when they plan these things
1: it's i think that's fairly true the the reality is now most operators and i literally just excuse myself from a restaurant to, to speak with you and in that restaurant alan they have the bar in the middle of the room they have the open kitchen they have a concrete floor, every single tabletop is hard-edged, it's so either stone or it's a hard uh, wood surface. The ceilings are open and they're concrete, so you can just imagine, right, it's, it's just a, a, a big sonic mess. And part of what's driving this is that there is a design component where kind of cleaner surfaces, more natural-looking finishes are desired. Um, the operators love it because there are surfaces which are easy to maintain. There's no linen cloths that have to be laundered. So everything's you know low maintenance in, in some ways. So that works for them.
0: So when your clients, when their clients come to you and say, we want you to help with the design, do you say to them, this is all very well and good. No one's going to be able to hear a word anybody says.
1: Part part of it is about what who their clientele is that they're going after. So a younger millennial demographic, they don't They can care. show. In fact,
0: they, they don't care. And, they can and they show.
1: Love they love it. But for you and I, um, if we're looking at, you know, dining spaces that are intentionally supposed to be social and about bringing people together, then we really advocate for uh, a a really good conversation early on about abusive. What
0: would you do in terms of, you know, those of us right now, I'm thinking about what restaurant I should go to this weekend. I happen to have a free night bang. I'm thinking about where I'm going to go, but I will take into account the noise level of a certain restaurant, as I mentioned. What do you think you do? I mean, do you ju- is, there a, is there a search option? Is there some kind of a noise app that I can use that I know a restaurant I can go to, I can actually talk to my fiancé?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the social media sites that you know cover both the, um, I guess, aesthetics and the, like Yelp, for instance, you'll, you'll get a lot of people who are moving into busy, noisy restaurants commenting on how loud they are. But I think it's a great point you make. I mean, it would be great to know that at five o'clock on a Friday night, what's the decibel level in that restaurant, and it should be posted.
0: Gordon McKay is partner at McKay Wong Restaurant Design in Toronto. What do you having for lunch, by the way? Was it a fancy restaurant? What is it?
1: No, I'm on. Uh, I'll give him the plug at Mercado's new restaurant called Cantina on Wellington, and I haven't ordered yet. So okay, yeah.
0: Now that you give him a plug, yeah. My name is Alan Carter, and uh, you can just send the gift certificate my way. <laughs> Done. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Gordon. I appreciate you being on. No sweat. Thanks for having me. I think, do we have a little time for a little rip and read? Yeah. Okay. We're going to do this. We're going to do it legit style. So this is, this is kind of like anchorman freestyle here. This is like rap battle and we're doing it legit this way because Rebecca, my producer has just pulled a bunch of different stories off the wires and I'm going to read them to you ice cold. This is me reading cold anchorman style. Rip and read hit me with a beat. An urban gardener in Kelowna, British Columbia could be vegging out with a Guinness World Record soon. This summer, Daniel Tomlin, 54, found that one of his cucumbers he was growing was an overachiever by any stretch. When he measured the colossal cuke, he discovered it was 42.5 inches, beating the current world record of 42.1 inches set in 2011 by Ian Neal in the UK. Stanford, Connecticut, Stamford, Connecticut. I'm going to get points off for that. Police say 10 students at a Connecticut high school faced charges after a food fight that turned into a riot and ended with injuries to a teacher and a school resource officer. Police say Tuesday, the high school students are charged with first degree rioting, breach of peace, reckless endangerment, and assault of a police officer. Tupelo, Mississippi, a children's fishing rodeo went belly-up in northeast Mississippi after a contractor stocked the lake with diseased and dying catfish. Pizza restaurant closed after employees put laxatives on pies. This sounds like a crappy meal, A a pizza restaurant in Springtown, Texas had to close this weekend after it was discovered that employees had put laxatives on at least one pie. On Friday night, the Springtown Police Department got a call about a possible food tampering. I don't really want to get into what happened. I'll move on. Doral, Florida. This is the last one. Last one, Rip and read. Doral, Florida. A road crew in Florida should get an F for spelling. A motorist on Tuesday spotted the area error oh, realizing that workers in Doral had made a mistake when painting the word school at a pedestrian crossing in the road instead of S C H O O L. They were spelled S C O H O L. Weak. A is for alpha, B is for beat, C is for clap and tap your feet, D is for dancing, E is forever, F for fingers clicking together, G for guitar, H for hands, R for in a music band, a J for jazz, a K for kick drum, L for loudly in a stadium. Welcome back to the program. If you recognize that sound and that music, then you are probably stoked for this weekend because the 22nd film in Marvel Studios saga, Avengers Endgame, is a movie theater event unlike any other. The numbers are staggering already. It opened last night, but the numbers from Wednesday when it opened there was $107.2 million in China, just alone on Wednesday. And that has gone up since then. On Rotten Tomatoes, the number? 96% fresh. Here's the quote. Exciting, entertaining, and emotionally impactful. Avengers Endgame does whatever it takes to deliver a satisfying finale to Marvel's epic Infinity Saga. I think it's going to suck.
6: I love because hearing your false enthusiasm for the movie the whole Ladies and gentlemen, through.
0: this is Fearless Fred is joining us now. Of course, Fearless is the drive jock over there on the queue. And he loves the comic book movies. He loves the superhero movies. You've seen the movie.
6: I did. I saw the movie on Wednesday.
0: Go. Give me your review.
6: I think if you were a fan of the characters and you're a fan of the movies, it's going to scratch all those itches for you. Uh, there's some pretty... There's some pretty emotional scenes of these characters that you've been watching on the big screen for about a decade now. Uh, and I think it really does the fans a lot of service. That being said, I don't always think you should be giving the audience what you want. And I think there's a lot of times where the movie doesn't just border, it wades right into a bit of pandering And when I left the theater, I felt like they were more focused on giving the audience what they wanted rather than telling an amazing story that would leave them rattled when they walked out. So if I had to give it a rating... I would give it four Infinity Stones out of a possible six.
0: I have no idea what that means. That's but a major me, plot point in the movie. Is it, Does it have anything to do with a Tesseract or some kind of Yes, it does. I have no idea what any of that is. The Tesseract is one of the I stones. Don't, don't, I'll, I'll give you stones. But here, <laughs> let me ask you this. Is it a good movie or a good movie experience?
6: I think it's a good movie experience. That's a great way of putting it. I don't think it is as strong of a movie as Infinity War was. Uh, and I definitely don't think it's the strongest in the franchise, but I think that when you leave, if you're a fan of it, you're very happy. You feel like you got a really good cake that was made just for you, but it would not do very well on like cake wars or whatever the new cake
0: cooking show is on food network. Listen to quote Courtney love. I, I always want to be the boy with the most cake, but I, I just don't believe that that makes it a good movie. I think, and we talked, we've talked. we talked about this before,
6: I encouraged you to watch The Winter Soldier. Yes, and, and I did last night. I you, you did not enjoy it. We're friends on social media. That's how you know we're friends in real life. And I saw your disdain for my good friend, Steve Rogers, on the internet yesterday. You know,
0: Gary Shandling makes a cameo in that thing. That was the high point of the movie. He was in it for like 15 seconds. Listen, it was awesome. Gary Shandling's always amazing. Even if he's
6: only there for five seconds, I absolutely love it. Sure, but that was
0: the highlight of the movie for me.
6: Well, uh, the thing is, and I was thinking about your reaction, did you like Three Days of the Condor? Do you like spy movies in general? Sure. The thing is, is when you watch Three Days of the Condor, which, by the way, stars Robert Redford, and Captain America Winter Soldier also features Robert Redford. And
0: also a strong supporting role by his plastic surgeon.
6: Yes. Oh, and possibly CGI. We really don't know.
0: That could be green screen. What is going on with that face? I don't know. Man. He's a he's a
6: great actor. But if you enjoy spy movies, I I don't think that there is a very wide gulf between Three Days of the Condor and Captain America Winter Soldier. But I think what it is... It's the veneer of the capes that you just don't
0: like. You're just
6: not a superhero guy at all. That's not true.
0: I like the idea of superheroes. I I think that the movies could be good. I think that Christopher Nolan who has a, an adept touch with populist material and still being able to deliver a a film that makes you think about it for more than 15 minutes After you leave, like the old Quentin Tarantino quote, a good movie is something that you want to go and discuss over a piece of pie. And I there's nothing with those superhero movies in the last decade that makes me want to go out and have a piece of pie and talk about it.
6: I think we need to have some pie and to discuss the the big plot revelations of Winter Soldier
0: together. I just think it I, I. I, for example, Winter Soldier. It just I could see it from a mile away. You could be like, oh, here comes, and now they're going to introduce the baddie. Oh, he's the the guy with the crazy voice, and we're going to have a big you know scene later. It just seems so formulaic. But it's the subtext of what the movie is no, about: the culture of fear that we live in today. Listen, I want to I want to transition to why I believe that superhero movies have ruined cinema. Go on. Okay. And really. I and I don't necessarily disagree with you, by the way. Because I think there's some there's a confluence of things here. First of all, if you go to the movie for two people uh on a Friday night, a couple of snacks, whatever, what's that gonna drop you by? Like 150? 175? What's that cost? That's oh, thirty seven dollars. No, it's a it's a it's a substantial amount of money. My point being is that People now make decisions about going to the theater based on experience in a way that we no longer say, you know what, I got to go see that you know, coming of age film about the guy backpacking through Bolivia and what he discovers. I'm not going to take a chance on that. So now we're into this world where people only want, like they want something that is going to be packaged and they're not going to be surprised and they want it all to be delivered to them in this nice, shiny package. And over the past 10 years, movie producers have delivered that to us and we have all become anesthetized. I don't think that's necessarily
6: a new thing. I think that you could go through all the action schlock of the 1980s and you would find the exact same thing. I think it's just... Things go in phases. And I just think that we're in a superhero phase. And I think there's a definite level of ennui that's come along with that. And I think we're on the verge of getting out of it. And I think when you look at Avengers Endgame, I think even the studios are at the point where they're like, we need to do something different here. This is here. done. This yeah. Is,
0: you know what it feels like? It feels like, remember when Batman needed a reboot after, you know, Batman had nipples? Yes. Right. I feel like superhero movies have nipples now. Nice to meet you. <sighs> it is always great to have you one more just quickly for those out there who are thinking should I drop The cash on going to see this? Would you recommend it if you if you're not invested in the series? Oh, if
6: you're not invested in the series, you will get nothing from this movie, absolutely nothing. And to an extent, you could say that that is a fault of the movie itself. You can't just go in and watch it. You could say that it's like the sequel, but it's the sequel of 22 movies.
0: Sure. I mean, you know, like all of a sudden deciding to watch Game of Thrones right now, you're not going to get a big payoff on. No, not really. All right, fearless Fred. Always great to talk to you. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm just down the hall, buddy. Any day. Beautiful hey, you know what? It's Friday, and now it's time for me to head off to my other job. I'm going to put on a cape. I am going to put on some uh, armor that's going to make me look like I have wicked abs, like wicked abs. You do, though. It's true. I do. But they're really painted in, uh, contoured in by the makeup artist. Thank you so much for joining us and spending your time with us. I am back again Monday for another hour of joy and fun. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you Monday.